Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, America surpasses 150,000 deaths. The staggering toll, with Florida, California, and Texas breaking single-day death records. And the dire warning tonight, if the nation does not change course now, several hundred thousand more could die. Tonight, the back-to-school debate intensifies. One of the nation's largest teachers' unions says it's okay to strike, as nearly 32,000 educators petition Florida's governor to keep schools closed. Plus, why Dr. Anthony Fauci says wearing eye protection may be key in stopping the spread. COVID in Congress. Tonight, the congressman testing positive hours before he's set to travel with the president. Republican Louie Gohmert from Texas, a staunch Trump supporter who mocked wearing masks, is now in isolation. Just 24 hours ago, he was seen on Capitol Hill with the attorney general. Public outrage after plainclothes officers take a young protester away in an unmarked van. An arrest some say looked more like a kidnapping. Breaking news, a freight train on fire in Arizona. A bridge collapsed. Witnesses describing it as a scene from hell. Chinese seeds in American mailboxes. The mysterious packages arriving in the mail. Tonight, the new warning to treat them like they're radioactive. A ferocious storm barrels through the Caribbean. Gaining strength. Is it headed for Florida? We'll have the latest storm tracker. And profiles in service. The Navy's first African-American female fighter pilot soon earns her wings. Tonight, her inspiring story. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin tonight with a stunning number, 150,000. 150,000 mothers, fathers, sons and daughters. Grandparents and friends now lost to the coronavirus in the United States in five months. More than 4.3 million cases have been confirmed. Tonight, CBS News has learned that deaths across the country have recently surged by more than 30 percent. 
California, Florida, and Texas all smashing their daily death toll records today. The president is in Texas tonight, where he was supposed to be joined by Texas Republican Louie Gohmert. But just hours before taking off, Congressman Gohmert tested positive twice for coronavirus, especially concerning as he was in close contact with Attorney General Bill Barr just yesterday on Capitol Hill. And as we come on the air, we've just learned that Speaker Nancy Pelosi issued a mandatory mask order for the House of Representatives. Now, it all comes amid the growing debate tonight about reopening schools. Dr. Anthony Fauci warning that kids as young as 10 can spread the virus as easily as adults. Teachers across the country who don't feel adequately protected are encouraged to strike. And some parents are being asked to sign COVID liability waivers before sending their children back to school. There's a lot of news to get to tonight, and our team of correspondents is standing by. CBS's Manuel Bohorquez is going to lead off our coverage tonight from Miami. Good evening, Manuel. Good evening, Nora. For a second day in a row, Florida has broken its one-day record for new COVID-19 deaths, reporting 216 today. Over the last week, the country has averaged about 1,000 deaths a day. The flood of COVID-19 patients into hospitals across the country has turned into a surge of deaths. Just about all the patients in this hospital in Houston, Texas, have coronavirus, with doctors placing a tube in the windpipe to save this patient's vocal cords. Otherwise, he may never speak again, even if he recovers from COVID-19. In the past week, more than a quarter of the states reported a record number of new COVID-19 deaths. 14 states hit highs for new cases. An internal FEMA memo reveals that even as cases nationwide decreased slightly over the past week, the number of deaths jumped 30% during the same time period. Now there is concern about the virus traveling back north. For the first time since April, two counties in New Jersey have reportedly made the Department of Homeland Security's emerging hotspots list. Philadelphia officials say they are seeing a second wave. The city superintendent suggested delaying reopening schools. We are now proposing that we start the school year with all students remotely for the first marking period, which goes through November 17th. In Florida, the debate over reopening schools intensified, with nearly 32,000 educators signing a petition asking Governor Ron DeSantis to nullify his order requiring schools open in just a few weeks. One of the nation's largest teachers' unions told members it's okay to strike. Today, Dr. Anthony Fauci weighed in. We should try as best as we possibly, on the line, possibly can to get the children back to school. The hot zone, you have to take that on a case-by-case -case basis and make a decision based on the welfare of the kids as well as the feasibility of being able to open up. Nearly 300 graduates and guests of Brevard County's Bayside High School have been asked to self-quarantine after possibly being exposed at a Saturday graduation ceremony. In California today, nurses protested. I feel like sometimes nurses put their lives on the line and don't wear proper PPE so that they can get in there and help the patient. The man known as California's patient zero, having contracted the virus abroad in Italy in February, spoke with CBS News today after a two-month hospital stay where complications forced doctors to amputate most of his fingers. I should be, have walked out of there. Um, my neurologist came into my room and said to me, you're a miracle. Medically speaking, you could, should not have been here. 
And today, Dr. Fauci personally supported another recommendation to curb the spread wearing protective eye gear. But the fight against the virus here in Florida is facing yet another hurdle. Officials have announced that state-run testing sites will have to close starting tomorrow afternoon in anticipation of a tropical system that could hit this weekend. Nora? That storm on top of everything. Manny Bojorquez, thank you. Tonight, Texas Republican Louis Gomert is in quarantine, the 10th member of Congress with a confirmed case of coronavirus. For months, Gomert has refused to wear a mask while in the Capitol, where there is still no testing system in place for members and staff. CBS's Ben Tracy reports tonight from the White House. Today in Texas, President Trump was supposed to be joined by Texas Republican Congressman Louis Gomert. But Gomer tested positive for coronavirus twice during a screening at the White House. He then returned to the Capitol, potentially exposing others, and seemed to blame his mask for getting infected. When I have a mask on, I'm, I'm moving it to make it comfortable. And I can't help but wonder if that you know, puts some germs in the mask. Politico reports it received an email from a Gomert staffer saying he requires a full staff in the office and people are berated for wearing masks. Gomert attended yesterday's Judiciary Committee hearing and was seen at the Capitol not wearing a mask in the same hallway as Attorney General Bill Barr. Barr's office says he was tested today. But I happen to be a believer in hydroxy. I used it. I had no problem. Today, President Trump doubled down on hydroxychloroquine, requiring his own health experts to once again remind Americans it doesn't actually work. Hydroxychloroquine is not effective in treating coronavirus disease or COVID-19. You don't need masks. There is a cure. The president admits he has no idea who this doctor is, even though he retweeted a video of her spreading outright medical lies. I was very impressed by her. Know nothing about her. President Trump also now admits that when he talked to Russian President Vladimir Putin last week, he did not mention U.S. intelligence suggesting Russia paid Taliban-linked fighters to kill American troops in Afghanistan. Well, that was a phone call to discuss other things, and frankly, uh, that's an issue that uh, many people said was uh, fake news. Today, former Vice President Joe Biden said it's time for President Trump to stop tweeting and actually do something about coronavirus. He called that doctor in the video that the president tweeted out an absolute disgrace. Nora. Ben Tracy, thank you. Tonight, Oregon's governor says the federal agents who have clashed with protesters in Portland will soon begin a phased withdrawal from the city. This amid outrage in New York after plainclothes officers jumped out of an unmarked minivan and suddenly arrested a protester on the street. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. Today, Oregon's governor called federal officers clashing with protesters in Portland an occupying force. The heavily armed agents using tear gas to protect a government courthouse. Governor Brown says they will begin a phased withdrawal beginning tomorrow. They created havoc and chaos. The good news is, is that Trump's troops are leaving downtown Portland. But today, President Trump insists their job is not finished. We're not leaving until they've secured their city. The Trump administration announced Wednesday it is expanding Operation Legend, sending additional federal agents outside of Oregon, it says, to combat upticks in violence in Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Detroit. Detroit's chief of police welcomes the federal support to combat violent crime, but says he doesn't need their help with protesters. We never requested support 
for any protest related activity. We do support, you know, anything to reduce violence in our city. Concerns around protest policing are heightening across the country, like this arrest of a protester by undercover NYPD officers yesterday who placed her in an unmarked vehicle. I think it was the wrong time and the wrong place to effectuate that arrest. Now, currently, there's no plan to deploy federal agents here to New York City, where demonstrations are planned for what will be a 64th night since George Floyd was killed. And a quick note about Seattle, that city's mayor confirming that federal agents sent there, Nora, have already demobilized and left. All right, that's big news, Errol Barnett, thank you. Tonight, dramatic images coming in from Tempe, Arizona, where investigators are looking into what caused a Union Pacific freight train to derail today. Fire from at least eight cars sent black smoke into the sky, what one witness described as a scene from hell. The bridge where the fiery wreck took place partially collapsed. One person was treated for smoke inhalation. No other injuries were reported. For the first time, the titans of tech testified together before Congress. Amazon's Jeff Bezos, Apple's Tim Cook, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg, and Google's Sundar Pichai were confronted with charges of stifling competition and political bias. CBS's Nancy Cordes joins us now from the Capitol. And so, Nancy, how did the CEOs respond? Nora, they insisted that their companies are not corporate bullies that systematically buy out, copy, or destroy their rivals. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, in his first congressional appearance, insisted that there are plenty of shopping options out there, even though it's now estimated that Amazon controls 44 percent of U.S. e-commerce. This was a high-stakes appearance for all four of these companies. They're facing antitrust investigations here and abroad, and there are some in Congress, Nora, who think they should be broken up. And what about the questions when it comes to political bias? What did they say? Right. Republicans expressed concern that the president and his son may have been penalized on social media this week for sharing that video that contained false claims about coronavirus. Well, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg said that his company does prohibit content that could harm people. And so his platform and others took the video down, but not before it was viewed millions of times. Nancy Cordes, thank you. Now to this story. Mysterious packets of seeds that appear to come from China have now popped up in mailboxes in all 50 states. Officials are scrambling to figure out if it's just a scam or if they're intended to be seeds of destruction. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlian. Victoria Dagon and husband John were surprised by a small package postmarked from China in their mailbox near Houston. I was immediately suspicious. It was not a question. It was not a doubt. Inside, four small bags of seeds. She's a gardener, but never orders from China. It is very frustrating because we can no longer trust what comes in our mail. Unsolicited packages, most believed from China, are landing in thousands of mailboxes across the country. State agriculture offices flooded with calls are urging people not to plant them. Treat them like they're radioactive, treat them like they're kryptonite. Do not throw them in the trash. We don't want them ending up in the landfill and sprouting or down the sewer. Tonight, the USDA is testing the mystery seeds and believes they may be part of what's called a brushing scam, where a seller sends unsolicited packages and posts fake reviews to boost sales. Janet Shamley in CBS News, Houston.
Today we learned three former presidents, Barack Obama, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton, will travel to Atlanta for tomorrow's funeral for civil rights icon John Lewis. Tonight, Lewis is back home in Georgia, lying in state in the Capitol, where hundreds of mourners are paying their final respects. CBS's Chip Reed with more tonight on Lewis's early activism and legacy from one of his closest friends. By age 18, John Lewis was ready to get into what he later called good trouble, even convincing his then-college roommate Bernard Lafayette to join him at nonviolent protest workshops. I didn't have time to go, but he kept badgering me. We have to try to set the stage for an actual sit-in. They'd put their training to use. First, leading sit-ins at segregated Nashville lunch counters, Lewis's first arrest came at age 20. Then, as Freedom Riders in 1961, Lewis was one of the original 13 to integrate buses traveling through the South. Over 10 days, Lewis was beaten multiple times. As one group's bus was firebombed in Anniston, Alabama, Lewis faced a brutal mob in Birmingham's bus station. A mob shouting and screaming, men swinging fists, baseball bats, lead pipes. We thought we were going to die. He would be arrested some 45 times, faced danger even more. The worst as a 25-year-old on Bloody Sunday while leading marchers across Selma's Edmund Pettus Bridge. Did you ever see John Lewis frightened? I can tell you emphatically, no. No, he had undaunted courage. John Lewis had what you call come back. No matter how far he was pushed back, he would come back. And few have done it as courageously as John Lewis. Chip Reed, CBS News, Washington. He said, once you lose your fear, you're free. We will be in Atlanta for full coverage of the funeral for John Lewis starting tomorrow at 1045 a.m. Eastern. Hope you'll join us. A weather update now. A powerful storm is barreling through the Caribbean tonight, prompting warnings in the U.S. Virgin Islands and in Puerto Rico about where 100,000 are already without power. The storm is kicking up big waves as it lashes the region with heavy rain and winds of about 50 miles per hour. From there, it could possibly target Florida sometime this weekend or early next week. In Georgia tonight, three jail inmates are being hailed as heroes for helping a deputy in a medical emergency. The deputy lost consciousness, fell to the floor and split his head, and the inmates rushed from their cells to help him. They used the deputy's radio to call for assistance. Officials say they appreciate the inmates' courage and kindness. The deputy is now recovering. A new set of wings will help one Navy pilot soar into the history books. Tonight, we continue our series, Profiles in Service, with her inspiring story. I remember driving down here for the first time, and it just seemed really daunting. Inspired by the Blue Angels, Lieutenant Junior Grade Madeline Swagel knew early on that she belonged in the cockpit. It was crazy to be in such a higher-performance aircraft. I was really excited on takeoff, like feeling the exhilaration and getting thrown back in the seat a little bit. Now Swagel is breaking a barrier that she didn't know still existed, becoming the first black female fighter pilot in Navy history. Four decades after the first group of women, including Rosemary Mariner in 1974. 
I think that representation is important because we are a very diverse nation. With just 34 women currently flying fighter jets in the Navy, Swagel knows the next generation is now looking up to her. I hope that my legacy will be that there will be a lot of other women and minority women that come forward and be encouraged and know that they have all the tools that they need and, you know, follow their dreams. And Lieutenant Swagel officially gets her wings of gold on Friday, and we salute her for her service. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the final farewell to civil rights icon John Lewis. Our live coverage will begin at 10.45 a.m. Eastern, 7.45 Pacific, and we will have a full wrap-up on the CBS Evening News from Atlanta. A reminder that if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That is tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. We'll see you right back here. Actually, we're going to be in Atlanta. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.